0: So that's another oldie that some of the regulars to a power might not have heard before, but I'm sure our welcome guests will carry us along with us.
1: Standing on the promises of Christ my King Through eternal ages let His praises sing Glory in the highest I will shout and sing Standing on the promises of God Standing, standing Standing on the promises of Christ my Savior Standing, standing I am standing promises of God my Savior standing standing I'm standing on the promises of God standing on the promises I now can
2: see perfect praise and cleansing in the blood for
1: me standing in the liberty where christ makes free standing on the promises of god oh yes i'm standing 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 on the promises of god my savior standing The promises of Christ the Lord Bound to Him eternally by love's strong core
2: Overcoming daily with the Spirit's sword
1: Standing on the promises of God Oh yes, I'm standing, standing Standing on the promises of God my Saviour
0: think some of you remember that one (laughs) okay this this next one again we haven't actually done it as part of our congregation but it's a song that we're wanting to introduce so um, I've been told that it's a bit of a mix of two songs so some of them some of you might remember part of it from Sunday school when you were younger so just listen out for that bit and see, some of you, there might be some actions that go with it. We might have a look to see what happens as we go along.
1: Dark, dark, dark is, is the, the, the valley, faint the, the light at my feet, feet.
2: But whatever, whatever may face
1: me, me, My God is all I need. need. Brighter the treasures Life may offer to me But whatever the pleasure My God is all I need
2: He is my strength When I cannot go on
1: Peace when all my power is gone Hope although the night is long Set me free, praise, praise to my Father, be my God, is all I need.
0: Brief, brief. Brief, brief are my days here, soon my
1: journey complete, but I look to my Savior, Where God has met my need Yes, He has met my need He is my strength When I cannot go on Peace when all my power is gone Hope although the night is long and deep
2: He is my
1: song he has rescued me Joy now He has set me free Praise, praise To my Father be My God is all I need Sylvia Yes okay. Watch Sylvia okay. My God is so my big, God is so, big so, strong, so, so strong and so mighty There's nothing
3: my God Cannot do my god is so big so strong and so mighty there's nothing my god cannot do the
1: mountains are his the valleys are his the stars are his handiwork too
3: my god is so big so strong and so mighty there's nothing my god cannot do for you my god is so big So strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's
1: nothing my God cannot do. The mountains are His, the valleys are His, the stars are His handiwork
3: too. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. There's nothing my God cannot
1: do. He is my strength when I cannot go on. Peace when all my power is gone. Hope although
3: the night is long.
1: song for he has rescued me
2: joy now he has set me free
1: praise praise, praise to my father be my god is all i
3: need praise, praise praise to my father be my god is
1: all i need my god, my god is all
0: Yes, Lord, and it is that word joy. It is the joy of the promise that you bring to us that I can hear coming out. That even in our darkest times, we can still have joy and praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Even now, he ceases.
4: Nakoto Carto, just in case you don 't know, my name is uh, phil houseman i 've been hanging around this place since about one thousand nine hundred and seventy one still here it 's a great place <laughs> Just a, a couple of housekeeping things before we get underway, um, as mentioned last night, if you have a cell phone, turn it off now. That really applies for the young people because the elders won't probably hear the phone ringing anyway, so that's fine, but (laughs) turn it off. Um, Toilets, don't forget, out in the foyer to the left, ladies there, men's round about there. Um, Emergency exits here, main foyer, out that door and round the side there, there's uh, emergency exits. Um, And don't forget there is the lunch after the service, so we look forward to that time. Um, Just one other housekeeping thing, Um, we have the memorial, no, the reunion cup, memorial, a reunion cup, this is a souvenir collection, so you really can't go without ordering one of these, so that's out in the foyer, I just couldn't help but mention that. The photograph is an individual um, collector's piece taken by me on my biking trips out to Scarborough. So this weekend has been about being together. Acknowledging the influence that the young people groups had on our early lives. And one thing is certain, none of us are particularly young any longer, apart from a few on that side maybe. We've moved on. And I have noticed in this auditorium, that this morning, it just seems a little bit lighter than normal, I'm not talking about the windows here, this is a glow here, and I suddenly realise what it is. It's the balding heads that have happened, (laughs) and the gray hairs reflecting the light, that's fantastic. (laughs) And just one last thing. You've heard that uh, in rugby games, what happens on the field stays on the field. Well, this is the same here. What happens here, what we've talked about, will stay here because no one will remember it tomorrow, so that's fine. (laughs) Now, one of the emphasis that we've, obviously it's been celebrating our young people groups over the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and there's been a great emphasis on the role that youth groups have had in our past. And so what I'd like to do we've talked about the 60s, 70s and 80s but there are other youth groups uh, part of this church here as well and uh, so this morning um, what I'd like to do, those who were part of the 60s, can you put up your walking sticks please and show us who were here, 60s hands up, welcome, great, you can lower your hands if you can, okay, those who are in the 70s put your hands up, stand up the 70s, 70s can stand up, Great representation, okay, down we go, slowly. Those who were here in the 80s, can you jump up, please? (laughs) Great, and we want to acknowledge our current young people here, and so could the young people of the years 20, 22, 23, whatever, can you jump up and run in a circle and just wave your hands over there? Come on, stand up, please. <laughs> so, uh, ably led by Monique, Charlotte, and Josh. So, thank you very much. Great to see you guys here this morning as well. Um, I was thinking about a scripture uh, for today, and it was on the front slide, and we'll just show it again in a minute. Then, on the last days of the festival, which we've had, you should once again rest from your festivities and come together for worship. And that's what we want to do this morning now. We, we want to acknowledge the God that has brought all this about. And uh, so we're acknowledging His presence, we're acknowledging the God who began a good work in us and is able to bring it to completion in His day. And that's great, fantastic. And the other verse which um, is up there is Acts 2, 2.44, and this is the sense that I've, I sort of felt over the weekend, that uh, in a paraphrase of Acts 2.44, there was an intense sense of togetherness among those who believed and those who were here over the weekend, uh, so it's been just a fantastic time, it's great. Now, I just want to, I'm going to welcome a, a young lady up here in a moment, um, she wandered here in about the early 70s and uh, did some nursing training here um, and then after a while we sent her off over to Bangladesh, and she spent a few years in the mission field in Bangladesh in, as a nurse. Um, she finished there, wandered back to New Zealand, got lost, ended up in Auckland. Um, however, she did marry a, a, a good guy, and uh, they've even spent some time over at Freeset in India. Um, so I'd like to call on, she was in those days, Maori, Um Barber, now Myri Barrett. She's gonna lead us in a time of prayer. So Myri, can you come up, please?
1: Not so young anymore but you know that's okay. You hide it well. (laughs) Uh, Let's pray. Heavenly Father thank you for connections you've created us to be in relationship and you call us to live in one sacred community. Thank you for all of us here who are connected by our love and involvement past and present at Opawa. We acknowledge and are thankful for the ties that bind us for friendships rekindled, for reminders of your faithfulness. Amen.
2: Thank you.
4: She did have a time limit on it, and she did really well. She's under the time that I'd allotted for her. Um, you've heard that um, the saying that when I was a child, I kept wishing... I'd grown up already um, but now that I'm older, I only want to be a child again. And uh, usually, you usually hear that coming from women over the age of 50, but uh, anyway, we often do that. Some, some of us do tend to live in the past. Others live in the future. And there's a really good little quote that I came across here. Nostalgia is a file that removes the rough edges from the good old days. <laughs> and uh, it, But it's no doubt, our past shapes and helps us identify who we are and where we're headed in life. And this weekend is, is not about staying in the past, but using it as a marker in our lives. Our challenge now is not our past, as we can't change it, and it's not the future because we haven't got there yet. It's what we do in the moment and the now that counts. Actually, I was going to quote a, uh, a, do a quote from a South African forward coach called Dion David, um, very applicable to our time here. He said, we, if we live in the past or look back too far and not to be in the moment, we would fool ourselves. Our focus will be on what we have to do to be the best we can be, keeping in mind we are facing a formidable opponent, rather prophetic, anyway. Now, one of the uh, traditions that we have here is we like to Share in celebrations and uh, we want to know if there's a birthday or uh, um, something that's happened in your life that's particularly uh, interesting to us and uh, if I think that what you're sharing with us is interesting, I'll let you have a chocolate, It's my discretion. So if you, want, if you want to share something with us this morning, two seconds long, um, put your hand up and I'll come to you with this box. Right, we have one hand. Whoop, microphone. are. We so, yeah.
5: Wedding anniversary today, thirty-five years.
4: <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, she needs a medal, <laughs> this chocolate is a medal. <laughs> no, did you? What was? How long?
5: Forty-three years.
4: Wow. I won't give one to Alan. <laughs> well, this is another five, but I won't say how many. Some, somebody's had a birthday. Oh, happy birthday, Pauline. <laughs> She's so young, she should be in the young youth group. Anyone else got a hand over here? Got something you want to share? Yes, I see the hand over that side. All right. Good for the exercise.
5: Thanks. I had a birthday, and I turned eighty-one.
4: Have a chocolate. Thank you. Right. Anyone else? We usually have a, we usually have a few feeble um, hands going up that want a chocolate just for nothing. Did I? <laughs> no, not you. <laughs> you get to know a few people around here. Now, uh it seems that we are celebrating events in our lives. Uh, I just want to acknowledge uh, a couple of people here this morning who are well over the age of 80. As he floating in the middle of the 90s, and uh, people that aren't necessarily here, as in our fellowship being longer, but with, were part of this family for many years, and uh, we have George Curry sitting in the, uh, there you are, George, welcome. <clears throat> <laughs> One of the, the few remaining uh, deacons or leaders from uh, the uh, 70s and so forth, so it's great. And, as we acknowledged yesterday, we have Ann Sparrow here. She just keeps on going. <laughs> Reminds me of the advertisement for the little battery, the We Ever Ready Battery, whatever it is. <laughs> and we also have Joyce Widgery too, down in the front row. Welcome, Joyce. Any old-timers from the 90s that want to... Put the hand up and acknowledge that they're that age. Right, that's good. Well, we, we do have our regulars there. Um, Esther, welcome, and narrowly. Right now, uh, the music group is gonna come back up in a second, um, but you may have heard of Lauren Daigle, the singer. Songer, well, yep, she's, she's got a really wonderful song out. And we contacted her and asked her to come along to here as a, as a guest singer. Um, reluctantly, she had to uh, decline our invitation. So we got the, the second best uh, person to sing this song. Uh, it took a lot of expense and, and uh, uh, twisting of her arm to get her out of bed early enough. She was late, as you saw. So we're, we're going to, Jamesa Landers is going to come and sing a song which you should remember, it's uh, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, but it's in the Lauren Daigle uh, version of it, so here we are, our own chimessa and her accompaniments.
3: Apologies for my tardiness, I was mourning. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> Definitely not as good as Lauren Daigle, but we um, will do my best. Um, so yeah, a bit of a twist on an old hymn. There we go.
0: Thank you for that, Chimesa. A lovely different rendition of Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Um, the children can now go out to Sunday school. We have the, our oh, kids' program out in the, um, <laughs> in the back there. Uh, on our program, I see Phil hasn't been quite following it. We had uh, in there that Phil was supposed to do a song and dance, like back in his OBY days at the front here. <laughs> um, but my name's Chris. I'm his understudy, and I th- thought I had learned all his tricks, but apparently his... Um, his skill at abdicating or or, uh, getting other people to do his things. He he got you all to jump up and do a song and dance. Well, we'll be doing a song and dance as well. So, (laughs) well done, Phil. Um, So we're going to do another song, um, As the Deer Panteth for the Waters. So this is preparing ourselves to receive uh, the word of God today as part of our message and part of us coming together. So please stand and join with us as we sing.
1: As the, the deep pants for the water, so, so my soul longs after you. my shield to you.
4: Our, our musicians this morning um, that have just set the, the tone and leading us in, in time of uh, corporate worship singing together uh, our regular uh, band and our imports as well. So it's really good. Good to see Stuart on the trumpet there, and uh, I think he's done. You've blown it a bit this morning, have you? Good man. So, uh, so. Normally, uh, at this time of the service, we're we're getting into the the time where we we preach the word and we have a speaker. Uh, Normally, the speaker speaks for 30, 40 minutes or whatever. And uh, we're fortunate in this place because when it gets boring, we can look out the windows and see what's going on in the world around us. Um, But anyway, this morning, uh, we decided that it's a bit normal to have just one speaker. Uh, So we have got three speakers but don't worry, they're not all speaking for 40 minutes each. <laughs> well, I don't know, they're pretty hard to control anyway, but uh, so um, we're, we're, these are our three speakers, and so, well, these are these over there, sorry, I'm looking up there. Um, so we've got uh, from the 1960s, Rolly Scott, he'll be our first speaker in a minute, and hails all the way, as you see, from Dunedin, deep south. Uh, then we're gonna have Janine Forlong, who was a Hilton, Um, and uh, some of you will remember her from young people's days, 1980s, and she will be the second speaker, and then uh, Gordon Rosewell, uh, recently retired from the New Life Church in Timaru, Joanna and him, and uh, he is going to be our last speaker representing the 1970s. So um, I'm going to call, first of all, Rolly to come up, and after Rolly's finished, uh, Janine will come up, and then Gordon will come up.
6: I want to thank the committee very much for a wonderful weekend. I think you've just got the balance right, lots of humour, some great stories and a wonderful occasion, so thank you very much. I arrived in Christchurch towards the end of February 1967, that glorious summer where Victor Pollard and Brian Yule bowled New Zealand to victory over Australia at New Plymouth. I came here to study at the cafeteria at Canterbury University. <laughs> and on July the 10th, pink ice buns became four cents that year, and they were really nice. And that was the only subject I got an A in in that degree. <laughs> Before coming to Christchurch, I had been working on my cousin's farm in Western Otago over the summer and had been right away from the discipline of worship and the encouragement of other Christians. That first week, I was invited to a young adults home group at Angus and Jean Simpson's. Even today, I remember that vividly. Angus was leading it, Claire Grimmett, Dick Williamson, Esther Grantham, Derek Sprags, Alan Harris, Jill and Brent Dyack, Warren Brocklehurst, and Thelma Cousins. Now, if you were there in that group and I haven't mentioned you, I apologise. You can come and hit me over the head afterwards. That was a fantastic night, and I stayed with Thelma's parents for the whole four years I was in Dunedin. It was such a great introduction to a power, and by the end of my first weekend, I was hooked. It was a time of growing and appreciating all that a spiritually alive youth and young adults group had to offer. It wasn't long before I had made a fresh start in my relationship with Jesus. And I remember the person who once said, thank God for fresh starts. I got to know Warren and his brother, Linton Brocklehurst. We played, who's sitting over there today, we played cricket with a tightly bound sock. We played tennis with one good tennis racket and one broken tennis racket. Whoever had the good racket won but we didn't feel we were deprived. That was the interesting thing. And that began a four-year journey for me involving new friends, a new church community, and from late 1967, the navigator group at the arts campus uh, in town, initially led by David Bibby and then by Hamish Horton. One memory of that time was going out witnessing in the square. Now, was that, there used to be a cathedral there at some stage. Yeah. I remember inviting people back to the Youth for Christ Cafe. Who else did that? Come on. Was it? Oh, come on. It wasn't just. No. It was just so wonderful. We would have great conversations late nights, and walking home on Friday nights, we really felt we were doing the work of Jesus in the world. It was just as well I'd found this community because three months after I arrived, my father, who was the principal of Collingwood District High School, in Golden Bay, died suddenly with no warning. He was 45. And that I was surrounded by such a compassionate group was significant and uh, helped me in my ongoing walk. One of the habits I took up in that first year was scripture memory. And what I want to do this morning in my nine minutes, 48 seconds left is to share two (laughs) two of the significant verses for me from that season. And I think they're important to me because at some time in those years, Gordon Coombs preached through the book of Ephesians, and everything Richard said about his dad last night reverberated with me. I felt his spirit was very much among us. Philippians 1.6, thanks Emma. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. The context, thanks, Emma. I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. For me, it was the assurance at 18 that God through his spirit was acting in my life that Jesus had begun something that God was going to work out in his time. It was a good work and it would be finished. That was a vital foundation to build my life on and I'd have to say 143 years later, I still hold to its truth. I chair a trust in Dunedin that runs what's called rock solid programs for in a number of uh, school and community settings. One of the board members has been struggling with faith issues, and they wondered if they should continue. Because of this verse, I said to this person, "Well, you may feel you're leaving God, but God, who has begun a good work in you, hasn't left you. Thus, staying on. And there may be some people who are, ve- are struggling with that real that issue today. You you kind of thought God began a good work in you, but you're not sure now. Well, just go back to that scripture and memorize it, and may it encourage you. The second verse comes from the end of Paul's testimony, where he has been detailing his ultimately abysmal efforts to be righteous in God's sight. He tried to do everything right, to tick all the boxes, but ultimately saw him, it led him nowhere, and he concluded I want to know know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. He also wrote, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Then he wrote the song that Graham Kendrick made his own, Millennia Later. I'll try to sing it. Knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater thing. You're my all, you're the best, you're my joy, my righteousness, and I love you, Lord. I think Paul would have written those words because I think he felt that very strongly. And I think, Thelma, you sang at our wedding and I think you would have sung it better than me. And if you don't think Paul wrote something like that, look at Philippians 2, 5 to 11. He was some songwriter, either that or he knew how to borrow other people's lyrics. He wouldn't be the first person to do that, would he? I want to know Christ and the power... I want to know Christ, the power and the suffering. We don't hear about that today, do we? We want the power, we want the ability, the suffering. I want to follow his example, Paul said, and then he said to become like him in his death, even if it cost me my life, and it did. I want to be there in the kingdom to come. So, 53 years after leaving the wonderful cocoon that the Apawa youth group and church had become for me, I need to express my gratitude to this community, the people and the pastors. I think Angus began just after I left. So I'm thinking of the preaching and the godly examples of men like Gordon Coombs, Angus, Basil Grimmett, Ted Dyack, Bill Rosewell, Derek Wiltshire, Vic Simmons, George Curry. Uncle Tom Cobley, and all. And women, too, too many to mention. Although I do remember Mrs. Moorcraft on the door every Sunday morning. It was kind of one of those fixed points in the world. When all said, and I've said a lot over the last 46 years as a preacher and school chaplain, and when all's done, there's only Jesus left. A few weeks ago, I went to see Laurie Rankin, who's 91. He used to be the pastor at Papanui Baptist. He gave up preaching last year. I asked him what mattered to him now. I wasn't surprised when he said, first and foremost, Jesus and my relationship with him, then family and then other lesser things. I left encouraged because over the years I've had my share of talking with those who are disillusioned, who've walked away from the faith, and a living relationship with Jesus. The other thing I just want to say to you from the early season of my journey is that I often felt that I was surrounded by a code of don'ts. You know, Bob Mumford put it really well in his book, Is that Three Minutes?, uh, yeah, yeah, I've only got that. Uh, Bob Mumford said, you know, he learned that you don't drink, you don't smoke, you don't dance, and you don't chew gum. And you don't associate with Christians who do that, or people who do those things. And I think that that's often the way it was. And the Gospels was the Sunday school, and they were only brought out at Christmas and New Year. And when I got to, when I got to Baptist College, I discovered Jesus. Now, people might think that's really strange in a theological college, but it happened to me. And it's been quite a ride. Not comfortable, not without challenges, and there have been lots of disappointments, but lots of grace and much compassion found in the preacher from Galilee. To conclude, Herbert Butterfield was a professor of history and for a short time vice-chancellor of Cambridge University, He wrote a number of Christian books. And the one comment he made that I've held on to for much of my life is this hold to Christ and for the rest be uncommitted. I think Paul would agree.
5: Good morning. It's wonderful to be back here. I'm just having a great time. Thank you also to everyone that's been involved in putting in running this. It's been absolutely amazing. So, I have miracles on my heart. I've got miracles on my heart. It says in Psalms 90 and verse 16, Let us see your miracles again. And let the rising generation and the old ones see the glorious wonders you are famous for. You know, that was a prayer from Moses. And I would imagine it was probably after the Israelites were uh, rescued from the Egyptians. So he was saying, Lord, do it again. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about do it again, God. In around about 1980 to 1982, see, I spanned the the decades. I was kind of 70, halfway through 70s to halfway through 80s. um, My father, Fred Hilton, many of you will know, asked me to accompany him to a missions weekend here. Dad and I were close. We did a lot of things together, so that was pretty normal. But I actually kind of think he was trying to get my mind off my boyfriend trouble that I was having at the time. Now, I'm not going to say who. Um, Probably could be someone here, maybe. Um, All is forgiven. (laughs) He was trying to get my mind off the boyfriend trouble, and because of that boyfriend trouble, I wasn't in the best space for a missions weekend, you know. But the Lord got my attention as soon as I walked into that foyer. You see, there was a sign in that foyer, just like the first the first image we had up and it said expect a miracle it was on an easel it was white and I believe it had red writing so this is like 40 years ago and uh, I was thinking about who might have put that there who was the speaker and I thought I think it was Roy Woods and I asked him yesterday and he said it was him that his dad had actually created the sign but he was speaking that weekend and he had put that sign up. Now that sign, those words, went into my spirit when I walked in that door. I was feeling pretty down. I was feeling a little bit hopeless. And that those words just went into my heart and captured me. And I knew God was speaking and I needed to be here. They've continued to speak to me, obviously, because I'm still talking about them. They've been talking to me for the last 40 years. We know that miracles are when God does the impossible, when he heals the sick, the injured, the hurting, and the broken, when he turns impossible things right around, when he provides us with divine wisdom, and boy, do I need that all the time. It's his provision when the cupboard is bare or the bank fund's Have dried up. It's his protection when you could have been hurt or even killed. You see, I really believe that the Lord is saying to us today, and on that day when I was here, to always have that expectation that he would do miracles. Always have that faith. Always have the hope and the belief that God can do miracles. But even more than that, He wants to. God wants to do miracles. He's our heavenly father. He loves us so much. He never changes. He's the best father. And even an earthly father, many of you, you love to do something that might seem miraculous for your child. You know, you love to provide and protect. So doesn't our heavenly father also want to do that? I have had a lot of miracles in my life, probably more than I know about. And uh, we were told we were never gonna have children. I couldn't do it. Mike was a little bit of a problem, but it was mainly me. I had a lot of surgery. And after all the surgery, they said, well, no, you can't have children. And that nearly broke my husband and I after all the years that we tried but then the Lord gave us a little boy and he called us, told us to call him Josiah. I'm Sorry, but, but emotional. Um, <clears throat> it's beautiful. And then we had another one too because I said, as I looked at that little boy in the cradle on the first night, I said, can I have a little girl too, Lord? And so he gave me a little girl. You know, I've had miraculous protection. Um, one time the Holy Spirit told me to slow down I didn't know why, but I did. And the next minute, a car just went past at high speed. If I hadn't have slowed down, it would have hit my car with my little baby in the back. We had a major car accident as a, a family uh, when our kids were about 10 or 12, 10 and 12, and we couldn't believe that we walked away from that with only, um, you know, superficial injuries. Praise the Lord. We've had many, many times with miraculous provision. When the cupboards were bare particularly when we were um, ministering in Matamata for 10 years i've had miraculous deliverance from not instant not instantaneous but i've had miraculous deliverance from crippling fear i would never be able to do this and this is this is the lord um, i'm also on that, I'm running a Freedom from Fear course tomorrow from 10 to 12. Emma and I have been planning this for a while. So if there's anyone else that would like to come to that, you're welcome. We've had a miraculous guidance. Uh, just, you know, when we've, particularly when we've finished a season and moving on to another season, God has miracul- miraculously led us. And we've, three years ago, moved to Kaikui, and that was another, that's another story. It's an awesome one. Um, I didn't know that when, uh, when I was born, uh, years later, when I was having back trouble, I had a slightly shorter leg. I had no clue. I was at a meeting, not at our own church, but at another church, and someone came up to me and said, do you have a sore back? And the next minute, they're praying for me. The power of God's hitting me. I'm crying because it's too awesome. And I felt my leg grow. Just incredible. That was only about 10 years ago. Miracles happen. Miracles happen. Psalms 106, verse 2. Who can list the glorious miracles of the Lord? Who can ever praise him enough? You know, the greatest miracle, of course, is our salvation, right? You know, when Jesus died on the cross and took the debt for our sin and reconciled us to our Father, and I've experienced that when we trust him and live faithfully following him, well, we're not always faithful, though, are we, if, that, if we're being honest? <laughs> but when we do our best following him, <clears throat> excuse me, allowing us, allowing him to lead us, he opens and shuts doors, doing miracles. Sometimes we see them, sometimes we don't. Providing for us and protecting us. But when we don't live expecting God to do miracles, I think we miss out on a lot, because he's still doing them, but we don't think to look, we don't think to ask, we don't think to see, and if we don't ask, we don't receive. God wants to do miracles. We may not get every miracle, exactly as we've asked for. We may not see it in the same way. We may feel disappointed. But I believe that God always wants us to have that hope and that faith and that belief, that expectation. No matter what, no matter what our past experience is, God is good. Exodus 3.20 So I will raise my hand and strike the Egyptians' performing all kinds of miracles among them, then at last let them go. And we know that that was just as uh, God was employing Moses to uh, be his, his mouthpiece to go to Pharaoh so that the Israelites could be set free. God not only performs miracles to give us freedom from whatever it is, whatever the problem is, but he also does it to show us who he is, how much he loves us. And in this case, the Lord had been watching the Israelites. He knew about the harsh slavery that they were under. And he decided, and I love these words, they're actually written in Exodus, it's time to act. God said that, it's time to act. I'm going to come down and I'm going to rescue them. The deliverance did not happen quickly. And we know the story about the plagues and that finally, finally Pharaoh let them go, still quite grumpy and not really wanting to do it and still sending an army after them to, to take them out, but they lost. The miracles happened, many miracles. Exodus 3, 7, 3, 6, sorry, 3, 7 to 8. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. Isn't that beautiful? God responding to the cries of distress. But even after the miracles happened, the deliverance happened, they're on their way towards the promised land, the Israelites, you know, they knew quite clearly that God was a God of miracles, that he's all powerful, that he loves them and that there's no one like him. For a while they sang the stories, sang sang the songs and told the stories of what their heavenly father had done for them but it wasn't long till they forgot. They began to grumble and complain, and they even built an idol to worship. You know, we could easily point the finger, but I don't think we're too different. I think we're a lot the same. We've lost loved ones. We've gone through hard times, and we've felt like God hasn't been there for us. It's been hard sometimes because we don't understand the why and sometimes we lose our faith and we trust and our trust in him and then we start comforting ourselves with things of the world and it doesn't really work it's just temporary isn't it and our hearts lose that life and that joy and that trust but you see trusting in god even when it doesn't go our way is faith And that's what Jesus is looking for. He's looking for people that have faith. He's looking for people that expect miracles. Even when God does something different than what we expect, God is God and he knows exactly what he is doing. I've experienced that. I've felt grumpy with God at times, even angry. And yet God has always brought me back to, Janine, expect a miracle. Trust me. Have faith. And so David writes in Psalm 145.5, I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. It's really good to keep our focus on the miracle-working God on his goodness and his power. You know what? Sometimes we're just all too independent. We can do it ourselves. And we're not really making room for God to move. How about we make some room? How about we trust him? How about we give him the space so that he can do some wonderful things in our lives? It's time to return in many ways to that confident hope, to remember the goodness of God, the miracles that he's performed on our behalf, to save us, to heal us, provide for us and protect us and to give him the glory that he deserves. He's a good father. We've all had some miracles, right? Have you shared your miracles with your friends and with your family? In Psalm 66, in verse 5, it says, Come and see what God has done. What awesome miracles he performs for people. You see, God wants to show your friends and your family the wonders and the miracles that he does, and he wants to do miracles for them. Share your stories. Sing your songs. Tell them all about it. And just as God noticed the heavy bondage of slavery that the Israelites were under and heard their cries of distress, I believe that God is saying to you today, I know your distress. I know your grief. I know your pain. I know your struggles. I see you. I care, I'm interested. Ask me, talk to me. I also believe that we're in a season that's just breaking. And hey, this is just my faith speaking. I believe we're in a new season where God is going to break into more and more miracles. We are going to see his powerful arm. We are going to see miracles like we've never seen before. Remember the verse where it says that, that we, will get, we will get to do what Jesus did, but even more? I've got faith in that. I haven't raised anybody from the dead in Jesus' name yet. Got to do that one first, and then we'll get on to the even more, because, yeah. I've got faith right now that we're at the beginning of a brand new spiritual season, and I want to encourage you to ask God for miracles. And if you don't get exactly what you're wanting, or if it doesn't happen, ask again. Just don't give up. Yeah. Two years ago, someone came and gave me a word um, about relationships, that very close relationships that were in my life that were not good. And they said to me, the Lord wants you to sit on the couch and trust God and watch what he will do. Well, at the time, there was some, some kind of a little bit of relationship struggle with people very close. But I didn't think it was that bad. But the thing was, it got worse after that. So God gave me a word so that when it got worse, I could trust him. Isn't he kind? He actually does that kind of thing for me a lot. So over the past 18 months, it has got worse and worse and worse, and it has been so painful, and broken relationships are so painful. So I've sat on the couch with my husband. Every time these things have been getting hard, we literally have sat on the couch, and I know that God was kind of meaning, I want you to rest in me. I don't want you to meddle. Don't get in the way, Janine, which I think I used to do a lot. (laughs) Don't get in the way. Sit on the couch. Of course we can pray, but let God. And you know what? I've been watching God work. And just slowly, really slowly, I've been seeing the changes in our relationship. These, particularly a couple of relationships. I've got a couple more too. Um, I've been watching God do the change. He's been working in their lives and in mine. And it's getting better and better. And the words that come to me are straight from I think Psalms. And we know the song ascribe greatness. His work is perfect, and all his ways are just. And I can see it. We're not finished, but he's done so much. I completely trust him. He is just so wonderful. How his when I meddle? You see, I mess it up. Yes. I'm just about done. Thank you. Psalm 78, verse 7. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. And of course we know, the last one, that he is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. So I want to encourage you to expect a miracle trust him. Whatever the challenge, whatever the difficulty, he's God.
7: Pastor Rod, and the people of Apawa, today, thank you. Thank you for opening your hearts and your church to those of us who were also part of this family. And we've gathered today to remember to give thanks. To everybody who's here, who was part of this church, and has gathered for this reunion, thank you for the warmth that we have experienced together and the joy that's filled my heart as we have given thanks to our God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, for all his goodness. I want to thank my siblings, my brother Stuart, my sister Judy, my brother Pete. We're here today because our parents introduced us to the author of this book. We grew up in this church. We sadly watched our mother contract breast cancer and die at the age of 44. Our dad died seven years later. But we've stuck together, and I just honor my siblings today. First special date for me was 26th of February, 1967. Just a young year nine student. They called it third form back then. And it was in the A-frame and I was sitting in the back row with my mates playing hangman. Because you could go to church on a Sunday night because I was now at high school. So I went to church because I could stay up late. The preacher said, At one point, just because you've grown up in a Christian home doesn't mean you're a Christian. What did he just say? I put down the hangman, ignored my two mates, Wayne and Russell, and listened to the rest of the sermon. Then he invited those who would like to commit their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ to walk to the front, not in your life. My dad was playing the organ, hymn 443, Just as I am without one plea. Had about 102 verses. (laughs) The preacher paused at verse 51 and said, there might be somebody here tonight who feels God calling them. I had a squadron of Apache helicopters trying to take off within my stomach. He said, if you take the first step, God will help you take the rest. So I took a step. And then I was standing at the front of the church, and I've never looked back. My message today, and thank you to Roly and to Janine for what they have shared. I just want to leave this with you whatever it takes, staying the course, no matter what. The scripture that I want to build this around is Luke 9, verse 23. One of those early verses I learned as I also got introduced to Scripture memory. My dad and our family were away at Le Bon's Bay in 1967 over Easter, and he introduced me to Scripture memory into the game of 500. (laughs) And I've never looked back since. Then he said to them all, if anyone wants to be my disciple, they must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. The uniqueness of Jesus' call to discipleship is it wasn't limited to his 12 disciples, but it was given to whoever. And the call still goes out. Today. It's a universal call to come, to follow, and be part of the new order that Jesus inaugurated. Do you remember when you first heard the call? There may be somebody today here, this is the first time you're actually hearing the call. My years in youth group, in a power was shaped by the call of Jesus to follow. And another significant date happened for me on the 26th of September 1968 and a Sunday evening service sitting right over there. That's where the youth used to sit. (laughs) Young people, if I was you right now, I would be very, very worried. Because God moves in this part of the church. (laughs) And on that night, we had a guest speaker, George Curl. And at the end of the service, he invited young men. Sorry, ladies. He invited any young men who felt God was calling them to the ministry to come forward. I thought to myself, the only invitations given are to receive Christ. This will be a very interesting one. So I watched and waited as no one went forward. However, while no one went forward, there was a strong sense of encounter with God going in deep in my heart. That squadron of Apache helicopters were trying to take off again. And so I spoke to Gordon Coombs after the service and said, would it be possible to just have a few moments of your time when you're free? I was 15 years old. I met in his office over the road and he asked me, Gordon, what do you want to talk about? Well, I tried to explain to him what had happened as I sat over there, are you feeling it? And as I began to talk, I teared up, and then really teared up. And through the slobber, snot, and tears, I said, I felt God was maybe calling me to the ministry, and I did... (laughs) I thought he's just going to think, I'm an emotional teenager. But Gordon was so gracious. He just said these words to me. He said, Gordon, just be available and i left and i was available if i was asked to do something and yes i'm available and ever since then i've been available and luke is conveying here a sense of following as being an untiring and faithful following a following that perseveres and is always available. It's a whatever it takes following. In 1997, we were invited to go and pastor the church in Timaru. Friends begged us not to go. You've got a bigger call than that. It's a pastor's graveyard down there. The church has gone through a turbulent period. Why would you want to go? Over 15 years, had been a change of pastor every three years for one reason or another, so you see why they didn't want us to go. However, when the commander in chief calls, you're available, so we went. I became very familiar with the Ashburton District Council billboard at the time, whatever it takes. I thought that should be in Timaru. It's not fair that they've got it, we should have that. So I took a photo. I felt God was commissioning me to be available for whatever it takes to see a dysfunctional, broken, hurt, wounded church come back into health. I pinned that picture up on my office wall, and it's still there to this day. The now current lead pastor wants to keep it there to remind him whatever it takes, except he didn't take over a dysfunctional church, praise God. What have I learned? And what could God be saying to us today about whatever it takes following? I've learned the importance of one having a clear sense of being sent. Major Ian Thomas from Cape and Ray Bible School was here preaching a message and a power When I was just in my teenage years, he was preaching it about the life of the apostles. And his message was called, Sent, Went, and Put. See, none of you remember it. Some of you do. Yes, you were listening. You were taking notes. Yeah. I still take notes, no matter who's preaching. Major Ian described the early disciples as incorrigibly happy, utterly unafraid, and nearly always in trouble. They knew what they believed, they acted on the assumption that it was true, and then let God prove it. He told the story in Acts 5 where the apostles were all arrested and put in prison and an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out and said, go, stand in the temple courts and tell the people all about this new life. Go where you're sent. Stay where you're put and give what you've got. What did they have to give? The new life they'd found in Jesus. They were sent, they went, they stayed put. And if you go where you're sent, you're put. You're sent and went. And if you're sent and went, you're put. You stay put and you give what you've got. And you don't move unless He sends you again. There were invitations to other churches during our time in Timaru. It would have been nice to leave, however, we were sent, and we had went, and we had to stay put because we were not went or sent anywhere else. Why did we stay? Why didn't we leave when the going got tough? You see, we were available. We were following Jesus. It wasn't about us. It was about Him. So we were sent, we went, and we were put. And we went where we were sent, and we stayed put, and we gave what we had. And young people, I pray you would grow up with a strong sense that God is sending you. Secondly, discover that your mess becomes your ministry. And I'm sure there's many who can give a testimony to that today. God not only had work to do in Life Church Timaru, but he also had work to do in me. My level of satisfaction and happiness when I went to Timaru was probably about a three out of a ten. But the church never knew that. I don't have time to tell you the back story to that. But I felt let down with the appointment process in my former church. Disappointed in leaders who had said one thing and allowed another to happen. Rejected about how life was working out for me. Hello? And while I knew I was meant to be in Timaru, this hidden rift with God had developed and I needed to go on a personal journey of restoration and wholeness. William Backus in his book, The Hidden Rift with God, he relates how Ernest Hemingway once said, life breaks us all, and afterward many are strong at the broken places. And William Becker says, however there are some who are strong at the broken places. Most stay broken and hurting at those broken places. Why He says, because so many hide their wounds, trying to be strong, trying to be adult, and even denying there was a break in the first place. Others spend their time looking for a quick fix answer, compulsively looking for someone, anyone, who can tell them how to master and change their external circumstances or relationships when the problem is a rift at the bottom of their own souls. And in my brokenness, I thought the quick fix answer would be to grow a large church which I thought would be satisfying and fill the desire within me to have a sense of being admired by friends and colleagues and develop a sense of significance. But I soon discovered that was a glittering illusion that we call success and it has nothing to do with my relationship with my Heavenly Father. And so my mess became my ministry. And a vital part of Life Church Timaru as we put in place courses that help people on the journey toward personal wholeness. Thirdly, learning to acknowledge and grieve your losses. As I was preparing this, I thought there were going to be people here today, present and past, who have not truly grieved your losses. But first of all, we have to acknowledge the loss so that we can grieve it. Think about how much loss you've endured in your life. From every lost friendship to the death of someone you know, personal illness, disappointment, loss of hopes, loss of dreams. These are things we need to acknowledge that have happened so we can grieve them. So we can move forward and it's never too late to grieve i spent over, over 10 years doing teaching weeks for youth with a mission most of those at the base in oxford and during one of those weeks i went for a prayer walk up the hills behind oxford early in the morning just as the sun was coming up over Christchurch. I raised my hands to bless the city on that hill, and as I did, I prayed specifically for a situation and a church where I'd been deeply wounded. And as I did, there was a realization. In that moment, I was 10 out of 10. The tears again flowed as I just gave thanks to my Heavenly Father for His transforming work in my life. For driven people, sadness comes out as anger, irritation, or frustration. For others, sadness causes them to withdraw. And maybe if that's you today, simply allow yourself to feel the sadness. Often it's not tears. It's just coming to terms with the fact that, yes, I'm sad. Yes, that's a loss, and no, I'm not immune, but acceptance of the loss is the beginning of being able to heal and move forward. I left youth group just being available to Jesus and where he may lead. And like us all, as we look back over our lives, not everything has gone as we had hoped for. All we dreamed of, however, I can say today that it is well with my soul, because I know my Redeemer lives. May the Lord bless you all.
0: Thank you for that. It's great to hear different messages from different voices at the front of the podium. Um, I'm sure all women are welcomed into ministry now, and it's great to see women at the front to hear that as well. So we're going to have our final song, the Desert Song, um, written by Brooke Fraser, actually. Uh, So this is something we enjoy as our church family to, to sing along on a Sunday morning. So please stand as we sing before we go out to enjoy some time and fellowship together uh, with our shared uh, lunch.
6: Sylvia, you bring
8: us in.
2: This is my prayer in the
1: desert when all that's within me feels right, this is my prayer in my hunger and need
8: my god is the god
1: who provides this is my prayer in the fire in weakness or trial or pain there is a faith proved of more worth than gold so refine me Lord through the
2: flame. I will bring
1: praise, I will bring praise, no weapon formed against me shall remain. I will rejoice, I will declare, God is my victory and he is my prayer in the battle when triumph is still on its
2: way
1: I am a conqueror and go with Christ so firm on his promise I'll stand I will bring praise I will bring praise
3: no weapon formed against me shall remain I will rejoice
1: I will declare, God is my victory, and He is here. All of my life, in every season, You are still God, I have a reason to sing. All of my life In every season You are still God I have a reason to sing
3: I have a reason to worship I will bring praise I will bring praise I will bring praise praise. No weapon formed against me Shall
1: remain I will rejoice I will
3: declare, God is my victory and he is here. This is my prayer in the harvest, when favor and providence flow.
1: I know I'm filled to be emptied again. The seed I received I will sow.
9: For those of you that were here last night, we had a wonderful meal. It was like having three or four different meals in together. What was your favorite? Well, this morning's been a bit like that too. We've had three rich reflections from three people who did a lot of time here and were shaped by this place. And it can be a bit overwhelming. And what I want to say to you is, I've talked here before, that preaching is a little bit like feeding the chooks. You take the bit that sticks so don't try to remember it all just take the reflection, the thought, the comment, the whatever, the scripture and just hold on to that and let God do what God will do in a moment I'm going to say grace and we're going to go out and there's a lot of food out there and try as I might, I can't eat it all so you're going to have to help me, but before I do that going to uh, say a benediction to close our service May God the Father prepare your journey Jesus the Son guide your footsteps the spirit of life strengthen your body the three in one watch over you on every road that you may follow from now this day to glory Amen I have messages. Okay, say grace. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the food that we're going to enjoy, for the fellowship that we have enjoyed this weekend and will do shortly, for the friendships, revived and refreshed, for what we've heard and experienced this morning. May it all be to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.
8: We have some notices. Take a seat. So, I'm just going to give you instructions um, on how we're going to do the lunch. Um, I'm expecting a miracle. Uh, I catered for 150 people, and we have 190 people here. So. Um, I have divided it up. Priority one people are people that paid for the weekend. (laughs) Um, And um, uh, priority two people are people from the church who I catered for as well. And priority three people are people that slipped in the back door. We have the leftovers from last night for you nicely heated up by my minions who are working in the kitchen Um, so the food is um, at the back of the auditorium and also on the outside wall and tea and coffee at the serveries Um, so don't all rush at once just take your time there's plenty for everyone now we're just gonna um, have a photograph of everyone and Phil's gonna give you instructions on what he wants you to do
4: Thank you, Emma. Um, We're going to try another miracle. We're going to try to get all those that have been here for the weekend up the front here, and we're going to do a a photograph up here. We'll move this out of the way. So hold on to your appetites, just all those that have been here for the weekend. Once we've cleared these out of the way, I want you to come up. We'll have um, shorties down the front, bigger ones up the back, and we'll just see if we can all get, and we're going to have a person up there, my daughter taking a photograph from up there. Um, So, Bear with us. Yeah, just over there. Just put it around there. Around the corner. That's good. Right, come on. Just along the back here. You're on the. <laughs> You're. Uh- Depends whether you think you're tall or short. <laughs> you're there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, man. <laughs> you go in the back row. If you can't see the camera you've got to be at the front. If you can't see the camera, make sure you're sitting near the front.
2: (laughs) Yep, go along here.
4: Along here as well. Come on, Rawley, you're on the front row. (laughs) Front row along here. If you yep, if you if you can't see, squat, get down the next row and squat down or sit down or stand up or you're right there. Good man, you'll, you'll be front cover. <laughs> you can smell the flowers next right, to you too. Okay. Closer in. This is a time of close fellowship. Hug. <laughs> moving you'll be wishing you stood next to someone else but moving you all right come on you late comers what's it? If you can't see the camera, I means you're too short, so you've got to come up the roof front and sit down here. You're in front of me, are you? No, I'll go no. behind you. Yeah. I <laughs> I One, two, three, two. yeah. <laughs> yep, two more. Thank you. Thank you, Naomi. She's an old girl as well. (sighs) Don't trip. Don't trip on that.
9: Mm-hmm. Can we get the boys' brigade ones? All the Barry Weston and all
6: the boys' brigade leaders and anyone that was involved to get a photo. We'll try.
4: Yeah. Excuse me, if anyone was involved with boys' brigade, could they come up for a, the front for a separate photograph? Boys' brigade, Barry, Barry Weston, Gavin. Back up the front, if you're a Boys Brigade person. Oh, it's <laughs> Tough cheese. <laughs> Were you a Boys Brigade? No,
2: right.
4: no I tried. <laughs> <No>, right. I <laughs> I'll just...